0: We love that movie, The Polar Express, at my house. Has, have most of you seen The Polar Express? I don't want to give away the ending, but uh, okay, all right. So it, it's one of our favorites. We Every year, we we watch it, and the girls make tickets, and every time the conductor says, ticket, please, our girls go, ticket, please, and we have to give them a ticket, and they punch stuff, and... And when it's time for the hot chocolate scene, we all drink hot chocolate. And then the next morning, I get my cup of coffee and Jen's sock is in the coffee maker. And <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but we don't go that far. <laughs> Did you like that, Bianca? I was oh, good to you. No, but we love, we love the Polar Express. Um, and so it got me thinking, what are some of the best Christmas movies of all time? So take a moment. Turn to a person next to you and share, what is your favorite Christmas movie? And, and I'm, I'm gonna take right now off the table. On the list, Batman Begins is listed as a Christmas movie. It is not, you cannot say Batman Begins. All right, somebody, what what are some of your favorite Christmas movies? Elf. Great. White Christmas. White Christmas, another classic. One more time? It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, these are all good. These are all good. I thought I would give you my list of top 5. Oh, you've got one? Home Alone. Yes, and Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, and Home Alone 3, Lost in Monotony, because it's the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown, another great one. I thought I would give you my top five Christmas list. So number five, Charlie Brown. I mean, that Linus scene, I mean, that's right there, isn't it? Uh, number four for me, Miracle on 34th Street, and it's gotta be the original. That new one. I mean, eh. Number three for me, do you recognize this one? Sleep, uh, while you were sleeping. Now, I'll tell you what. The only reason this movie made it on my top five list is because of these 12 seconds. When we got this, I think it was VHS. Still, I would just rewind that over and over again, <laughs> and Jen would get so mad at me. But that, those 12 seconds, are the reason that made my top five list. Uh, number two, Have, has anyone seen this Holiday Inn? You got singing, you've got dancing, you've got romance, you've got a little bit of anger, um, and the number one for me sounds like it's for a lot of people. I mean, who doesn't love Buddy? I mean, he's, he's where it's at, isn't it? So, um, and although it's not on my top five list, The Polar Express is definitely a great movie. Um, I love it because of the struggle that takes place throughout the movie. Most of you said you've seen it, but just in case you haven't, it's really it's about a boy who spends his whole life up till that age, believing in Santa Claus, and now he's faced with a dilemma. I mean, he, he, he knew how things were, he knew what was real, he knew that how the story was being played out, and then he's faced with the fear, what if... what if it's not that way? I mean, what, what if everything I believed, everything mom and dad said, what if everything... Is different and so on the surface it looks like a trip on a train going to the North Pole but really we've got something much more um, much more sincere going on we've got a boy that realizes that everything that he's believed is about to change forever and as I studied the text for today This movie kept popping in my mind. Um, And so, hear the word of the Lord from Matthew this morning. It's Matthew 1, it's a familiar passage. It'll be on the screen if you have your Bibles or an app, I I invite you to turn there, Matthew 1, uh, starting with verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, look, some translations say lo, some say behold, the virgin will conceive a child, she'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So from the very beginning, at the very, off, at the very start of this passage we see that a young man is facing one of his greatest fears. And we can't really move on to the rest of the story until we address this fear issue. So the scene opens up, and we've got Joseph engaged to Mary, and he receives this horrible, what he thought horrible, news. And now we, we have the luxury of reading passages like, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit, And we have the rest of the story, so that doesn't quite affect us the same way as it might have Joseph. See, Joseph didn't have subtext. He didn't have Matthew 1 and say, oh, that's crazy, Mary, but looking up ahead three verses later, we're good. So Joseph was immediately struck with fear. He was dealing with scandal, betrayal, hurt, disbelief. I mean... Coming from a Jewish family, he understood his rights, he knew the customs, he was aware that he had pretty much two options. You could publicly disgrace Mary, or you could quietly send her away. But make no mistakes, neither one of those options were even in his mind at all just a few days earlier. The news that Mary told him had changed everything. And our once hopeful Joseph was left with the knowledge that the end of his story that he had planned for his life was over. I mean, what could be more terrifying than that? He lived a certain way, he made plans, he envisioned a beautiful storyline with Mary, and it's over. That dream is gone. I mean, I can't imagine the frustration and the despair, that sinking feeling when you've made plans and you're so sure of what's going to happen, and then life throws you a curveball. But then the angel appears. An angel of the Lord appeared to him and said words that God has been speaking since the beginning of time through prophets, through priests, through angels. We see it all the time in the nativity narrative. I mean, the angel came to Mary and said, do not be afraid. The angel came to Zechariah to tell him that he was going to have a son and started off with, do not be afraid. The shepherds, on the hillside, the angel of the Lord appeared, and the glory of the Lord showed about him, and the angel said, do not be afraid. And so it's important that we take a minute and we, and we remember that fear was never part of the original equation when we talk about the story of God. See, in Genesis 1, we go back, we, we learn that fear was never part of god's plan genesis 1 it says god saw all that he had made and it was very good and what god does is good and what god does is perfect and fear isn't part of god but then we fast forward to genesis 3 and we see a couple that chose to disobey god they strayed from the storyline that god had planned for them And the Bible says, Adam told God, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And we know that the the truth is that the fear was grounded in that Adam and Eve realized that they had strayed from God's story, and that things would never be the same, and that brought fear. And so at the birth of creation in Genesis 1, not long after fear entered the world, flash forward all the way to the birth of the creator, and one of the first things the angel says is, do not fear. God is once again telling humanity, I had an original plan. I had I had a way for you, my story is still going to happen. And so, the first thing in that specific moment when the angel meets Joseph, the first thing the angel says is "Fear not." She says, "Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid." Now, this simple phrase um, basically did two things for Joseph. One, it introduced to Joseph another way. See. Up until the angel came, he had two options. I can publicly disgrace her, or I can quietly send her away. And the angel comes and says, hold on, hold on. There's another way. What if you choose not to fear, and you choose to believe Mary, and you choose to marry her, and you choose not to focus on what your story was and what you thought your life was going to be like, and you instead choose to focus on God's story for you. Because your story, Joseph, may be over the way you thought it was going to be, but the storyline of God was never in jeopardy. So don't be afraid. And the second thing that Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid, the second thing that it does is it causes Joseph to remember. See, Joseph was a Hebrew boy. Um, He would have grown up knowing the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, by heart. He probably would have known most of the Scripture by heart. He would have understood the prophecies. He would have remembered things that Isaiah would have said and Malachi and other prophets. Somehow he had forgotten all that. And in doing so, he forgot his identity and who he was in God. So the angel says, Joseph, son of David. Now, that's a phrase that, i got to be honest, I have skipped past really fast. Joseph, son of David, David, do not be afraid, blah, 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 blah. But that son of David is significant. See, as I was studying, this is the only time that phrase is ever used when it's not referring to Jesus. I find that interesting. It's the only time. Jesus is often called the son of David, but nowhere else is that phrase used except for this time. And so then that makes you go back to Matthew 1, the first part, where we have the the begats, the genealogy of Jesus, and it's it's 16 verses of so-and-so was the father of so-and-so, and and he was the father of so-and-so. And he was the father of so-and-so. And and he was the father of so-and-so. And And we've got this genealogy. And you start to remember that, okay, for the scripture to be fulfilled, Jesus would need to be born from the house of David. He would need to be from the lineage of King David. And so we have so-and-so was the father of so-and-so. So-and-so was the father of so-and-so. all the way down to Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Not Joseph was the father of Jesus. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. So what the, the angel does, it's magnificent. Joseph is immediately pulled back into the genealogy of Jesus. He immediately remembers that even though he may not be the biological father, he is critical in the story of God. See, without Joseph, there is no connection to the line of David, and the prophecies had to be fulfilled this way. And so Joseph, remembering that he is the son of David, remembering who he is, is paramount. So the angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to believe, Mary, even when it contradicts your fears. Because what's happening at this very moment in history is the work of God that will come to pass Because of the work of the Holy Spirit, and because of the obedience of Joseph. So Mary will have a child, and Joseph, you'll name him Jesus, because he's going to save his people from their sins. And then to reinforce what the angel is saying, Matthew gives a final word about what's happening, and it's rooted in Isaiah, and you see, look, the virgin will conceive. And have a child. She'll give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That word look, um, I said earlier, um, could mean low, could mean behold. But at the root, at the heart of that word, it's more than just, hey, see what's going on. Hey, are you catching it? The word really means perceive. Do you really see what's going on? Do you really understand? It may not be something that you can see with your eyes, but if you truly perceive what's going on, you'll know in your heart that God is keeping his promises right now. And after hundreds of years of captivity, you'll perceive that God is really about to send a Savior. And after hundreds of years of silence, not hearing From God through the prophets or the priests or the kings, you're about to once again hear the voice of God in a little cry in a manger. After generation after generation of feeling alone or afraid, God is literally about to be with you. Wow. That's good news. And so what's Joseph's response? He he chooses to listen, and he chose to really behold. He chose to really see what God was doing. He chose to really understand and perceive that God was at work and about to do something. And so he took action. He He took Mary into his house. He helped with the birth of Jesus. He listened to the praises of the shepherds. He presented Jesus at the temple. He heard Simeon and Anna confirm that, he, that his son was the Messiah. He watched with wonder as the magi came and bowed down to this child presenting gifts. He was able to trust the angel again when he was warned in a dream about Herod's rage. He quickly responded in obedience, grabbing Mary and Jesus and as much food as he could carry. And then taking three terrifying nights just to get, to get beyond the reach of Herod's kingdom, he continued to Egypt, safely out of reach of Roman rule. And a few years later, he was willing again to listen to the angel and see and perceive that it was time to return to Nazareth. All this happened because Joseph chose to really... Perceive to really see, not just to listen, not just to see what's going on, but to really, really see. His faith went beyond his reasoning. His trust went beyond his insecurities. I mean, think how different the story might have been had Joseph chosen not to truly behold. Wow. So getting back to the Polar Express, the the guy, the hobo says, "Seeing is believing." Am I right? Then a few minutes later, um, in the story, you've got the two two main kids on the front of a train. Um, don't ask me why; that seems very unsafe. But they're there with the conductor. <laughs> I'm sitting there watching the movie. I'm like, "Who would let their kid do this?" Um, they're at the front of the train. And the conductor starts talking about this one time where he was um, on the front of the train and he was maneuvering around and he slipped and he thought he was going to fall. But he did not fall. And the kids are like, what happened? Who caught you? And he said, I'm I'm not sure. They said, was it an angel? And he said, I don't know, but he was okay with that literally seeing with his eyes wouldn't change the fact that he knew that he was saved. And he was able to perceive that he was saved by someone other than himself. And so he was willing to, for the words in our passage, behold what was happening that night on that train. So, I thought as a response today... Um, I would have you guys write some stuff down. So, if you have a pencil, you've got some paper in your worship bulletin. I know this is kind of like a, uh, taking a quick turn. But I want you to take time. It, if maybe you have a notes app on your iPad. I know my wife thinks I'm crazy, but I email myself. I email myself important things because then I have a record of it, and then... When something changes or God answers something, I, re- I reply to myself, hey, it's all good. <laughs> Boom. You, you know what I'm talking about, George? I want you to have something to write with. Because I, I want you to ask yourself, where am I in the story? Because there, there are... Pretty much three parts of this story. The first part is all about fear. So maybe fear right now is consuming you. Maybe you relate to Joseph and you're sitting there thinking, wow, the story I'm living is not the story that I had planned. Maybe you recently laid off. Maybe you're thrust into being a single parent, maybe it's, uh, you're one of the millions of people that this time of year just is extremely lonely and depressing for you. Maybe life just isn't what you expected. And that brings fear, doesn't it? I mean, we all face fears, the the question is, what are we going to do about our fears? Are we going to allow them to control our lives? Are we going to focus on the fact that our plans aren't happening the way we wanted? Um, I know a lot of times when I'm afraid, I, I feel paralyzed, unable to move forward, un- unable to move backwards. I just feel stuck. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, we were at a we had a pastors' conference. We actually hosted it here, um, and one of the speakers said, I want you to take out a piece of paper, and I want you to write down some of your fears um, or your apprehensions that you're facing right now in your life or in ministry. And so I did, and I, I carry them with me. I, I had five. I know that's not the type of thing you may want to hear. <laughs> your past, one of your pastors has a lot of fear. Um, <laughs> but I think transparency is important. I mean, we're in this together, right? Um, Just because some of us have a title doesn't mean we don't face fears, but I carry this with me in my wallet, and I do that for the simple reason it reminds me that I am not um, defined by my fears the things that I wrote down, the things that I worry about, my apprehensions, my concerns, they do not define who I am. And if they don't define who I am, then maybe I need to focus more on fearing not. I mean, God has something greater for my life, and fear was never part of the equation. So a lot of times, my fear is rooted in forgetting I am. Maybe you're that way. Maybe like me and like Joseph, you need to remember your identity. Can I suggest one thing that's at the core of your identity? I don't even have to know you, and I can know this. We are deeply loved. Staggering to think about how loved we are. That God would go to such lengths to bring us back into a right relationship with him. Um, I love, uh, there's a quote by Brendan Manning. He says this, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. So will you see yourself radically loved by God? When you do, um, the picture, the storyline starts to look a little different, doesn't it? Um, It makes me think of, do you remember the, the magic eye pictures that were big in the 90s? Um, it just was this jumbled mess of weirdness. Do we have a picture? I think that last slide. So you look at it and it's like, ugh, that makes me stressful. It looks chaotic. But if you really perceive and you start to, I don't know, everyone says like loosen your eyes or relax or this or that. When you really start to see, all of a sudden, you begin to notice there's a picture in a picture. And you begin to see, oh, I had this picture and it was completely chaotic, but when I really start to behold, when I really start to see, I notice that there's a special picture that begins to emerge and all that chaotic mess kind of fades away. See, looking through the lens of radical love affects what we see and it dispels our fear so maybe you're in that first section and and you need to be reminded fear not and so i want you to write down just like i did what are some fears that you have and then i want you to move on to this next step where some of us may be i want you to behold i want you to really see I want you to sit back, I want you to wait, I want you to be still, and I want you to perceive what God is doing for you, what God is doing in you, what God is doing through you. I got to be honest, um, there are a lot of us that are perceiving plenty, and that's all we're doing. Um, We're kind of like... um, those Facebook activists that, you know, wow, that's an important cause. Wow, I see that's really happening. Oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. And we perceive from the distance of our touch screen. As you're asking God, what do you want me to see? Ask God, Show me where you want me to participate in your story. My storyline may be a jumbled mess, but I know that your storyline is perfect, God. And so where would you want me to participate in your story? Because that's, that's the better choice. And so maybe you just need to behold and then respond, which is the third section I love the story of Joseph is amazing to me because, you know, he doesn't get very much, you know, acknowledgement in the Bible. Very little is written about him, and yet we know by looking at the life of Jesus that this was a man who said yes to God and responded. He cast off, he cast off his fears. He perceived what God was doing, and he responded. And it wasn't a one-time thing. See, responding when he woke up from the dream would have resulted in him going to Mary and them talking. But there was so much more. Joseph, hundreds of times in his life, responded. And maybe that's what some of us need to remember. That life is about responding, responding to God now responding to God now. This isn't a, I made that decision, I'm good. It's a life of constantly responding. There are hundreds of moments that would have required Joseph to respond, constantly asking, God, I'm afraid. Help me not be afraid. Help me to see what you're doing, and then I respond. So maybe you just want to write down, God, am I responding to the things you want me to respond to? And and what do you have for me now? What is it right at this moment that you want me to respond to? And then your action step is to obey. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. This This whole passage is about obedience, right? Now, obedience is scary because... Obedience means it takes my will out of the equation. It takes my preferences off the table. If I choose to obey, it means what I want always is secondary to what he wants. It's a lifelong quest. So my prayer is that wherever God leads you, Today, next week, next month, next year, that you will respond wherever. Um, growing up in Nashville, the name Bob Benson, um, everyone knew who Bob Benson was. He was a preacher, he was an author, um, he was a speaker, he was a Christian music um, king, <laughs> sort of. Uh, just at the birth of Christian music. Um, I love, at his funeral, Gloria Gaither described him this way. Um, she said he was, he was wonderful at speaking with people, slowly, methodically chipping away at the scar tissues of doubt, abuse, and fear in their lives. And this is what Bob Benson says about the concept of going wherever and responding To Jesus. I know that wherever is a reckless word. There are no halfway houses on the road to wherever. I have to to use it guardedly. Even now, I've not gone far enough for it to be a word that is really mine. But I would like to learn to live and believe so that wherever will hold no fears for me. For one reason or another, I'm not always a follower. Sometimes I'm afraid to go. Sometimes my life is so good that I don't want to leave where I am. But when I have gone and when I have allowed it to become my word, I want to say to you unreservedly, wherever is worth going. At times I've remained behind only to find myself surrounded with nothing, but sometimes I've also left all to go with him, and I've known his everything. I am convinced if I would always go, I would always be glad. God is calling each of us to take that next step in faith. Whether it's going from fear to not fear, to truly perceiving, to responding we can each find ourselves in the story somewhere and to say yes to wherever he may take you or lead you is my prayer for you It's my prayer for me may we have hearts and eyes to hear and perceive what he's doing around us and in us So I thought a good response. Um, Hopefully you've had time to jot down a few things. I thought maybe we would just finish by remembering the name um, which gathers us here today, the name of Jesus, the name the angels uh, proclaimed, the name the prophets foretold, the name above all names. So would you stand with me and let's just sing for just a moment about that beautiful name.
1: You were the word at the beginning. One TV
0: I chose that song because I found that um, there have been times when I've been afraid, and it clutters my mind. And sometimes the only thing I can do is just say, Jesus, Jesus. And it calms my fears. So that's my prayer for you. Um, just a few things going out, and then we'll have our, uh, our benediction. Uh, don't forget, Christmas Eve... 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, hot chocolate at 5 to sugar you up, and it's going to be awesome. And then Sunday morning, a slightly different time, don't forget we'll be having Christmas service at 11. I can't think of a better way to celebrate the birth of the king than to come to his house and celebrate the birth of the king. So I hope that we'll see you Christmas Eve and then Sunday morning. Uh, Would you... Uh, say with me this prayer of benediction. This is actually the second half of the Bob Benson quote, so I tweaked it a little. And may this be our um, our benediction. So the quest, wherever it takes us, may we go. Whichever the task, may we do it. Wherever the burden, may we accept it. Whenever it calls, may we answer it. Whichever the lesson. May we learn it, however dark the path, may we follow him, because wherever he takes us, it is worth it. Go in the love and peace of Jesus Christ. You're dismissed.